December, yeah, I still remember back when There was nothing better than the snowy weather windy All the wonder, all the joy start to disappear But right here I want it back in my heart, I want to feel it The magic, the thrill of the season I will sing joy to the world at the top of Let another pass me by, pretend like it was nothing The king of all creation came to us, I know it's something Worth celebrating, heaven gave yourself a love Hey, welcome everybody to the online campus of Passion Community Church. I am Michael Hedrick. I'm Ellis Hobson. And we're super pumped to be here as we continue along with our stable series. But before we get into the service and everything else going on, just wanted to know, dude, what are some of your favorite Christmas movie quotes? Christmas movie quotes. Okay, so the first one that comes to mind, mm -hmm. super obscure, Christmas Vacation. It's right after... All the, like, grandparents get there. Yes. And they're coming in with all their luggage and stuff. Yes. And Clark's just standing there, like, surrounded by suitcases. And he's like, I'm going to go park the cars and, <laughs> you know, fix up the yard. And, yeah, I'll be outside for the season. I'll I love outside. that. It's so good. That, How about you? That one also has one of mine. I love the scene when they're out, when they're on their way to get the tree. 
and he's all fired up about this car, about this dirty truck that's driving in front of him. And he's like, I'm going to get around this egg timer. Mm. And then he pulls underneath the tractor trailer. Mm-hmm. That's become part of my family lexicon is, all right, we're going to pass this egg timer here. And like my kids say it, I say it, like that one's definitely in there. That's awesome. That's awesome. But yes. I think I think probably one of the best ones, though, is you'll shoot your eye out, kid. Mm. That's a good one. Everyone, good one. everyone knows that one. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. That's your filthy animal. If I can get it out, that's Dad a classic. Yes. yes, that's a classic. That's <laughs> yeah. a classic. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. Yeah, I do Man. like that one. That's a good one. So, um, just want to bring everybody up to speed. So we have the online Christmas Eve service times. Those are at three. Five and seven, but we got something else coming up on Thursday. We do. Blue Christmas is this Thursday, uh, right here, seven o'clock. If Christmas is, you know, like a joyous time of year, but it's not for everybody, you know. And we've all had some hard times over the last two years. So, uh, if that's you, then this service is designed specifically for you. Seven o'clock, you won't want to miss that. That's be really special. That's something that PCC has really invested a lot in, mm-hmm. and that's helped. A ton of people so yeah yeah really blue christmas is very special it is um but so what about students tell us about some of the student stuff going on for christmas man we've had all kinds of uh student events for christmas uh powtan just had their christmas party this past sunday and uh it was a ton of fun it was one of those things like we couldn't decide what we wanted to do so we did everything just kind of smashed it all together and we're like yeah let's do it all message worship games all of it um, so it was really cool. But uh, there's been Christmas events at every campus. Uh, Riverside had one. Aitlet had one. Midlow had one. So it's awesome. been fun. It's been a great Christmas season for yeah. PCC students. Yeah, we're we're absolutely crushing it, I think, for Christmas. <laughs> like, our, our church is doing great. So, um, but yeah, I think I think that's all we had. Is there anything else we want to go over that I'm forgetting? Um, I don't think so. I think it's, oh, hey, PCC kids. Has their Jingle Jam Jingle Light Jam. Show. That is the last thing. Yes. yes. So make sure you can find all the info for the Kids Jingle Jam on the events section of our website. And you can also click the link in the chat for that. That's going to be going on every hour on the hour that Sunday. I think it's on the 26th yeah, as well. Sunday the 26th. Yeah, yeah yes. that's right. That's right. Yeah. That, so that is a Sunday. Duh. Okay. <laughs> We know that it's happening. We don't know all the details of it, but we do know that there is a Jingle Jam going on. And if you click the link, you'll get all the info yes. for that if that is something that you're looking for. Yes. We also know there's a website that will tell you better than we just did. Yes. There you go. We're not the best at, at communicating all the things because there's so much going on. Yes. But we know where to send you to get it. Yeah. And sometimes that's the most important thing. Exactly. Exactly. So, all right. So... Let's pray it out. Let's get into the service and let's do it. Yeah, let's pray. God, we are so grateful for this time today to focus all on you, to put all else aside and focus our attention on you. I pray we we would experience you today through worship, that we would hear from you through the message we're going to hear today, and uh, that it would lie within us and rest within us this Christmas season um, that we're so grateful for, God. We thank you. We love you. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. All right, let's get in it. And we'll see you all later. Time to skedaddle. Time to skedaddle. Time to skedaddle. At PCC, we take Jesus seriously. When he said, love God with all your heart, we think he actually meant it. So, we do.
about God from passionate teachers. We make worship and studying the Bible a daily part of our lives. We wrestle with Scripture together and on our own. And we go wherever He leads us to help others do the same thing. Jesus also said, love your neighbor as yourself. And we think He meant that too. So we spend time together because we think relationships matter. We offer help when it's needed. We live generously, we give sacrificially, and we welcome everybody. We take Jesus seriously, but not ourselves. We're the least likely people with the most amazing God and a passionate vision to love God and to love others. To reach people who don't go to church so that we can all know God Discover purpose, get real, make a difference, and be the change. And we are so glad you are here today. Welcome to church. Join us today for church. Join us as we lift our praise and our voices to God today. Let's sing. Let praise be a weapon that silences the enemy. Let praise be a weapon that conquers all anxiety. And let it rise. Let praise arise. We sing your name in the dark and it changes.
This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you, we praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you, we praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what heaven sounds like. becomes real to us when our focus is on God. Jesus promised us that when we remain in his love, our lives are full. It is in the love of Jesus that we can truly understand what freedom is, that we can grasp the joy of responding to his call so that he can send us out and lead us. It is as simple as remaining in his love. You say remain in my love Follow me and let me show you how We're listening now You say your joy lives inside Let it be alive and so complete Remain in me You call us friends You teach us how to live To love like you So will I Lift 
You called me, you sent me, and now you lead me wherever I go. Oh, you've called me, you sent me, and now you lead me wherever I go. Oh, you called me, and you sent me.
so excited about the Christmas matrix that we've designed for you for an entire experience this Christmas that you're not going to want to miss any of. So first, let's talk about Christmas Eve. Yes, we have two early bird services on the evening of Tuesday the 21st. So that anybody who's traveling, if you're away Christmas Eve, you can still be a part of that experience. And then on Christmas Eve itself, we're going to have four services. Now remember, all of these Christmas Eve experiences are at the Powhatan campus. We're one church in one location for this event. And we begin broadcasting online during the 3 o'clock service on Christmas Eve. So you, even if you're traveling, even if you can't make it physically, you can be a part of our Christmas Eve experience. And if we want to come in person, they're at 1, 3, 5, and 7 on Christmas Eve. And then, of course, there's the Sunday after Christmas, the right. December 26th. The 26th, we're online only. It gives all of our volunteers and staff a chance to take a break and spend time with their families, but you can still join us online on the 26th. And we'll be broadcasting that day for all three services like normal. And then on the Sunday after that, that is January the 2nd, we come back to a normal schedule at all of our physical campuses and online. So we'll get to see you then. Hope you really enjoy this uh, incredible Christmas season like kind of like none other none other that we've had before and you don't want to miss any of it so hope that you will uh, come to church and we'll see you then as brian and susan mentioned we've got early bird services on december the 21st that's in person only and our christmas eve online broadcast will be 3 5 and 7 p.m and we hope that you'll join us for one of those services i'm brian pope and i'm mark hapscott 
And we'd like to welcome you to the online campus of Passion Community Church. Now, if this is your first time here or you've never done so before, we'd like to know that you're here. Hey, look, you can do that by filling out the welcome card. It's a great way to let us know how we can pray for you or let us know if there's anything we can do to assist you in your spiritual journey. You can do that right now by visiting our website or clicking on the link there in the chat. You can also download our app and uh, fill, out, fill it out there as well. But again, there's a link right there in the chat to let us know that you're here. And we've had all kinds of campus and student events at our campuses. We have had, uh, we got Christmas Eve coming up. We've had our blue Christmas service, and we still have one more Christmas event that is going to be awesome. That's right. Starting at 10 a.m. on the 26th and running until 8 p.m., it's the Jingle Jam Light Show. Now, PCC Kids has put together something special, and you can find out more by checking the events page at pccwired.net. I'm not going to miss it. I can tell you that. We also want to remind you that next week, the 26th, is online only. So if you typically attend a physical campus and you're joining us here today, make sure you take note of that and come back here to the online campus next week as well. And you might not be thinking about January yet, yeah. but we are. We are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the first Sunday of 2022. I can't believe I'm actually saying that. But that first Sunday, January 2nd, we start a new series, and we have a free gift for everybody. Now, it's something that you'll come in without anything. You'll get a gift that you can actually take out with you, and you're going to like it. I promise. So don't miss it. Make sure you're there. And make sure you stay in the habit of coming to church, be it online or in person. Man, that sounds awesome. I'm looking forward to that as well. But hey, look, let's, let's come back to the present here for a minute because it's still December. So Mark, hey, brother, how is your Christmas going, man? It's actually going pretty good, you know. Um, I've delegated all the shopping to my wife. Awesome. Uh, I haven't told her that yet. But, oh, but even better. I think it's going to go well. Even I better. think it should be okay. <laughs> but every year uh, on Christmas Day, we usually drive to my son's house and visit with him and his wife and our two grandkids. And uh, when I get to see kids on Christmas Day, that's just what makes my whole Christmas for the whole season is watching my kids open presents and stuff. I, I love great. that too. I, love, I would love to see my kids on Christmas. And it reminds me of me and my brother when we were kids. One of our traditions was to stay up late on Christmas Eve and watch a service together as kids. And we've done that every single year of our life since we were like seven or eight years old. And uh, even when we've been far apart, which we're going to have to be this year. So I'm looking forward to that and because it's about family, right? Mm -hmm. And look, we love gathering with our families for Christmas. And we love gathering with the church for Christmas. And we've had well over a thousand people join us for Christmas events this year. For many of those people, that was their first time attending a PCC event. And for many others, it's their first exposure to church at all. Community outreach like this is possible in part because of your giving here. We wanna thank you for that. Thank you for joining us in our mission to reach those who don't go to church so that we can all experience the fullest lives possible through Jesus. And if you haven't started giving here, we invite you to join us today. You can do that by clicking the link in the chat right now. But we want to take a moment to thank God for all he's doing. So I'm going to ask Mark. Mark, would you pray for us, brother? Absolutely. Let's pray. God, we thank you today for all that we've seen you do over the last year. And God, in the busyness of all our Christmas shopping and rushing around, we just want to make sure that we pause and say thanks. Thanks for all that you've done through us and with us. Uh, to bring glory to you. And God, I pray that as we look at Christmas coming up, that many people 
maybe for the first time will hear the good news about your son, Jesus Christ. And we just want to thank you that you gave us the greatest gift. Uh, and we remember that every Christmas when we celebrate the birth of your son, Jesus. So God, just thanks for being who you are. And we pray today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
everything that's been going on lately, like Thanksgiving and Christmas, the midterm elections, new COVID variants, something happened that made history and no one knew about it. And I'm not talking about some useless Guinness world record, like most hugs given in 60 seconds or most snails on a person's face, which is disgustingly real, by the way. No, what I'm, hap- what I'm talking about actually happened and it's truly epic. It's worthy of the history books. You see, there's this grueling hike that stretches over 2,100 miles called the Appalachian Trail. You probably know what that is. It's world famous. This beast, it starts in Springer Mountain, Georgia, and runs all the way to Catastin, Maine. Georgia to Maine. Think about that for a second. Most of us wouldn't drive that distance, so you can forget walking it. But there are some people who do just that adventurous people who set out every year to walk every step of this gigantic trail. And about a month ago, a guy named M.J. Eberhardt, also known as the Nimble Will Nomad in the hiking community, he conquered all 2,100 miles of the trail. And he began on March 1st and took his final steps on November 7th. And that alone is already amazing. But it's not what etched his name into the record books. He certainly wasn't the first to do that. He's not going to be the last. No, what sets the nimble will nomad apart is that he's 83 years old. 83 years old. To do it, Eberhardt averaged almost 10 miles of hiking per day. And in case you're like me and math really isn't your thing, that comes out to about 251 days of walking. 10 miles a day, seven days a week through the mountains, through the forest, over water, I'm sure, at 83 years old. I mean, look, I'm 31 and no joke, I've literally pulled my back walking to the mailbox. Like that is 100% true. So what Eberhardt did is just crazy. And of course, along the way, he endured extraordinary pain in his feet, in his legs, and he constantly fought the temptation to give up. But in just over eight months, he finished his journey. And waiting at the end, was a modest number of reporters, some of his friends and family, and a guy named Dale Sanders, who is the previous record holder. And he did the same thing when he was only 82. Chump. But what makes this even crazier is that of the 3,500 people who attempt this every year, only one in four actually complete it. And of those one in four through hikers, which is the name who are given to those who complete the entire route, I can only find two others other than Eberhardt who were in their 80s. So Eberhardt divided every statistic, every roadblock in front of him to best the trail. And whether we realize it or not, every one of us here can relate to his story. Not because we're avid adventurers like him. You might be, but not all of us are. And it's not because we've earned the title of through hiker either. I mean, let's be real. Most of us are more like through drivers rather than through hikers. But even still, we're all on a path. Every one of us is on a journey. And we talk about it this way all the time around here. But even if you've never been here before, you're on this path too. See, our path isn't about mountains and forests, rivers or oceans, jet streams or the sky. You can't walk on it. You can't swim across it. You can't fly through it. In fact, 
It's not a physical path at all. It's a spiritual one. The path I'm talking about is called reconciliation. And God's plan to reconcile us back to him is the cornerstone truth of the Christmas season. During our stable series, we've been talking about a few critical components of Christmas that can help us find stable footing in a world that has a remarkable aptitude for instability. And more than anything else we've talked about so far, reconciliation is the most important unchanged truth that we find front and center in the Christmas story. And of course, that's not to say that the incarnation, which we talked about two weeks ago, or his forgiveness, which we talked about last week, aren't important. In fact, they're critically important. So if you weren't here for them, you need to go catch up. But let's focus on reconciliation. See, if you're anything like me, you probably don't use this word very much in your day-to-day conversation. I mean, I'm literally a pastor, and I don't. It's, so it's not very common. And Googling it doesn't really help either. Almost all the results you'll find are about how to reconcile your finances or create the best budget possible. They're all about money. And since we're not in the money-making business around here, but rather the relationship-building business, we need to go somewhere else. What does help is its simple but beautiful definition. See, reconciliation means to restore friendly relations between. Now that is more like it. And it's exactly what Jesus came to do at Christmas. Restore the relationship between us and God. It was the whole purpose of both the incarnation, God with us, and our forgiveness. The Apostle Paul recognized this, and he wrote to a church he started several decades after Jesus would come and go, saying, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. And all of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Now that's beautiful, but I mean, let's be honest. You'd probably have to look at that for a little while to really understand what was going on there. Like, what does it actually mean for real? The old is gone, the new has come, Jesus not counting people's sins against us. Is reconciliation just a churchier word for forgiveness? Didn't we already cover that? Well, a few months ago, my wife and I were pulling out of PCC's Powhatan campus, where it just so happens that Anderson Highway, or Route 60, as some of you might know it, goes from two lanes to one, right before the entrance of the church. Now, about a quarter mile before that, there's a stoplight. And some of you, some of you are going to totally relate with what I'm about to say. Others of you, I think you'll get it. Whoever catches the red light there, knowing that the road's about to go one lane, they undergo a transformation of sorts from a humble, law-abiding citizen to Vin Diesel on the set of Fast and Furious. The scenery around you fades from a Sheets gas station on your left into what will always be called Chubby's on your right and reappears as a multi-million dollar stadium full of raucous fans cheering your name. They're eager for you to put the proverbial pedal to the metal as you wait for the green at the checkered line. And both lanes know, you look over and you see the other person in the other lane, you know, you lock eyes, that once this road becomes a single lane, one of you is gonna be the winner. And the other, 
will have brought great shame upon their family. So when the light finally does hit green, people peel off that line like their lives depend on it, man. They, they fly down the road and see them get there first. So Megan and I were pulling out of the church, headed west where the road has already become one lane when, I don't know, less than 10 seconds later, we get passed on the left by a person who I can only imagine was the loser of this impromptu competition because no sooner did they pass us, they gave us the old one finger salute, the bird, the middle finger. Megan and I were not really sure why it happened. We weren't then, we aren't now. I mean, it wasn't a huge deal to us. We kind of laughed about it immediately after. And of course we forgave this person right away. I mean, people who do stuff like that are almost always dealing with something difficult in their own life. And sometimes those emotions, they overflow to the people around them, like I think that happened here. I mean, I've done that before. I know a lot of us have. But whatever really was happening, it was easy and simple to forgive them and move on. And this is where we find a few of the major differences between forgiveness and reconciliation. See, forgiveness doesn't require that the parties involved have any history or backstory. I mean, Megan and I didn't know this person at all, but we were able to forgive them because forgiveness can be given between strangers who plan on remaining that way. Additionally, forgiveness can be a one-way action, meaning you're able to forgive somebody for what they did, even if they don't forgive you for what you did and vice versa. On the other hand, reconciliation always deals with the history between two parties or people, a history that at some point was positive, mutually beneficial, engaging, and friendly. On top of that, reconciliation must go both ways. Remember, its goal is to restore friendly relations between the people involved, which can happen if both sides aren't actively trying to work toward it. So to put it simply, forgiveness is a necessary step toward reconciliation between two people. And it's the same with Jesus's forgiveness of our sins and his incarnation on earth at Christmas. They were the most important steps to fulfill God's ultimate plan for us, reconciliation with him. So when we go back to what Paul said when he wrote, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. And all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. When we see that now, we know that it's more than forgiveness. It's what happens to those who have accepted the invitation to walk the path of reconciliation with God. The old has gone, the new has come. These people have begun walking the path. But what does it really mean? Like, what is the path? Been alluding to it. What actually is it? Where do I get this idea from? What does it truly mean to walk the path? And why does it actually matter that the old is gone and the new has come? Well, to answer that, we need to go back. Not just back to the Christmas story, but the very beginning. See, in the first few pages of the Bible, we're shown a picture of the way things once were, the way they were supposed to be between God and us. It was life together without anything holding us back. No sin, no shame, no distance. God would regularly come and physically be in the presence of Adam and Eve, working and creating together. And it would be a huge understatement to say that they were friendly 
They were family. Like over there at the beginning of the path, there was no need for reconciliation. But this wouldn't last. You see, sometime later, Adam and Eve would disobey God for the very first time. And they would feel a sense of shame for the very first time. And none of this came without consequence. Their shame was symbolized when they realized they were naked. They made closer themselves trying to push back these new invasive feelings, but it doesn't work. More than that, though, God had warned them of what would ultimately happen if they did sin against him. They die. And not because he'd kill them. Rather, there would be walls built between them because of their sin. So God, the giver and sustainer of all life, he would no longer be near to them. And just like anything that gets its source of life taken away, like a plant tucked away in a sunless room or a fire in an airless chamber, they would eventually die. But God immediately begins working to tear the walls down. See, God is the only one who at this moment understands the magnitude of what Adam and Eve's sin has done to their relationship. And yet, it's here we get our first glimpse at God's reconciliation plan. And when you read this, it's so easy to miss. I can't tell you how many times I've been in this story and I've not put the pieces together like this until now. But check this out. The Lord made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. But wait, Adam and Eve already had made clothes, right? Well, yes, but God knew that that wouldn't be enough. He knew that he was the only one who could actually do anything about their shame. So in this beautifully symbolic act, God chose to put his hands into the mess that they made and take it upon himself to remove it. And although they weren't completely restored yet, the process had begun. And this is the pattern that would continue for a few thousand years. You see, Cain, the firstborn son of Adam and Eve, murdered his own brother Abel, and he had to face the natural consequences of his actions. But again, God immediately told Cain that he wouldn't have to suffer the same fate Abel did. God protected Cain, although he didn't deserve it. And he proved once again that he was willing to dive into the mess that he didn't create to work to repair the relationship. Later, he made a promise to Abraham and his family that they would be used to help God carry out this grand reconciliation plan, all the while tearing down the walls that we were building between God and us. He raised Moses up to free his people from their slavery, a critical moment in time that serves as a foreshadowing of things to come. He'd make a covenant with them on the mountain, promising to bless them and to use them for his glory and the reconciliation of the entire world if they would follow him. We know for the most part, they didn't and more walls ended up being built. However, God continued to move and to act in their lives to restore the friendly relations between him and his people. 
And we could go on and on working our way through every single page of the Bible, discovering the lengths God has gone to in order to bring us back to him. From Joshua and Samuel and David and Jeremiah and Ruth and all the prophets to countless others we don't find in the Bible, God forgives, he comforts, he redeems, he corrects, and he guides his people all with his eyes on the ultimate prize reconciliation. You see, God's compassion for his people was so deep and wide that he'd stop at nothing to be with them again, to be with us again. God puts it this way himself when he speaks through the prophet Isaiah, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will never forget. And that's the thing. God had every reason to forget. Remember, we messed it up. We wrecked the original plan. We decided that his presence wasn't enough. And so we left. And before we think, oh, that was them. That was Adam and Eve. That's not us. We've all been doing this throughout history. But over and over and over again, God has willingly labored both in and out of sight, stepping into the darkness that we created to make a way for us back to where we belong with him. And that is God's reconciliation plan. And more than he ever had before, God was going to dive headfirst into the mess that we made, run full steam ahead into the barriers we created, and tear them all down from that moment to eternity. And that's where we get Christmas. See, Jesus came down to earth as Emmanuel. He walked with us. He labored alongside us. He taught us just like it was in the beginning. And then he died the death God said we'd die all those years ago so we didn't have to, taking our sin away and forgiving us. And finally, after long last, he completed the path. And this brings us back to where we started. This is the path we're all on, the one you're on. And some of us were walking on it. We've accepted the invitation, but some of you are still standing here. For some reason, you wait at the beginning, afraid of what might happen if you take the first step. Maybe this is the first time you've ever heard about this. And that's great. I hope this is really helpful language for you to know exactly what God did to reach you. But I think there are others of you who've assumed that there really is no way down this path for you. You've either been convinced by others or have convinced yourself that you're way too far gone to be right with God. You're, you think your sins are too great, they're too numerous to overcome, and that if you begin to walk this path, you're gonna have to come face to face with the junk from your past that you would rather not deal with. Or maybe you've sat in church before and you've heard us say that when we follow God's will for our lives, he might ask us to go somewhere or do something that we don't want to do. And so you resist. You're comfortable at the beginning of the path because it's all you've ever known. And yet if you're honest, you know that something's missing. As comfortable as your life might be right here, you sense that there's more out there. And you don't know what it is, 
but something deep inside calls to you. Whatever it might be that keeps you here at the beginning, whatever it is that holds you back, let it go. Quit accepting and living with the way things are and step into the reality that could be, that was supposed to be. The magnitude of your sins or your mistakes, it's irrelevant when put beside the depth of Jesus's grace for you. For God made him, meaning Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Here's the thing. The truth is, is that you're right. There is nothing that you can do to earn your way back to God. There's nothing I can do to do that. But the best news ever is that you don't have to. God did this work for you. God took your sin, your punishment. He took all of it and he put it all on himself just so he could be near you again. And the unknowns that lay before you can be walked through with confidence when the one who knows the future walks with you. You might have to sacrifice something to walk this path. In fact, I pretty much guarantee it. I don't know what it would be. Maybe your comfort, your time, your routine, your plans, your money, maybe all of the above, but it doesn't matter. Even still, all you'll be doing is sacrificing something that's good, but temporary for something great and eternal. Reconnection with the God who made you, who gives and sustains life and peace that stands against whatever may come. And how do I know this? Well, it's my story. It wasn't but six or so years ago when I was caught in an on and off addiction that threatened everything that I loved. My marriage, my friendships, my ministry, all of it was on the line because I wasn't taking it seriously enough. Really, I wasn't taking my relationship with God seriously enough. I'd regularly tell people how they could have a better relationship with God while I was destroying my own. I led worship from this very spot, inviting people to boldly sing their commitment to God while I wasn't fully devoted to mine. I was the one building the walls between us and God. And I didn't deserve anything from him. I still don't. He didn't owe me anything at the time. He doesn't now. And he had every reason to call me a hypocrite, which I totally was and still can be. He could have just moved on. But God refused to let me destroy myself. He reminded me over and over again through scripture and the people who knew I was struggling that you don't have to do this. Your sins don't have power over you anymore. I made a way for you, Elijah. And I'm still here waiting. I'll never forget you. And in the six years since I took that message to heart, my life has completely changed. I still sin today, but they don't define me anymore. The God who rescued me does. I still desire some of the things of this world, a, a nicer car, a, a nicer house occasionally, but I really know that I lack nothing. Everything I'll ever need can be found in Christ. 
and I don't always love myself very well, but I know that I'm cherished, that no one has ever cared for me like Jesus. See, God desires reconciliation with you, and he's done everything he can to have it. But remember, reconciliation, it requires both of us. God won't make you accept the invitation, and I certainly can't do that. That's a choice that you have to make for yourself. The best I can do is exactly what Paul did. We implore you on Christ's behalf. I implore you, be reconciled to God. Accept his invitation. Commit to walking with him. Tell him you'll go wherever he calls you. And then when he calls you, go. Spend your time learning about him from the Bible and from others who are already walking the path. Use the powerful tool of prayer and connect with God routinely and let him speak into your life. Study the example Jesus set for us while he was among us and emulate it to the best of your ability. I can't promise you much about these ever-changing lives we lead. But if we'll do these things, starting right now in this Christmas season, I know beyond any doubt, God will shape us into the people he created us to be. He'll give us real joy, joy that can only be found in him. And the longer we walk beside him, we'll grow to know his goodness, his mercy, and his love more deeply. And as the years go by, we'll come to understand that we've lived our fullest lives possible. And when those full lives on earth draw to a close, we'll say with confidence, no one ever cared for us like Jesus. The one who left it all behind so that we could be returned to him again, as it was always meant to be.
God desires reconciliation with you and he's done everything he can to have it. Now it's up to you. What does it look like for you to take steps on that path and make that commitment to walk with him? Tell him you'll go wherever he calls you and then do it. If we can help you with that, just reach out. 
We're here to process with you, pray with you, and walk with you on that path, whether it's via a conversation right now after the service or through a phone call or a meeting with one of our pastors. May you feel a renewed spirit to follow him this week. We hope to see you at Christmas Eve service. And don't forget, we're online only next Sunday. Merry Christmas.